Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter always live on the free Odyssey app the revolution will be broadcast this is the next generation of talk now on talk radio 1210 WPHT Rich Zioli what do we do about Philadelphia's violent crime problem? We all know the problem. What are the answers? What are the solutions? It begins and ends with prosecution. No question about it. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here. Our fourth and final hour here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT on Twitter at Rich Zioli. I had a uh, conversation today with somebody who said, all right, well, we all know the problem in Philadelphia. What do you do about it? And I think it's very obvious what you do about it. You have to prosecute people. I mean, there was a story in the Philadelphia Inquirer back from 2021, and it said Philly gun arrests are on a record pace, but convictions drop under District Attorney Larry Krasner. Police are on, pay, um, on pace to make 3,000 arrests this year for carrying a gun illegally, a record. But the people charged are less likely to be convicted. Why is that? It's a Reason.com article from... This is from uh, 2022. Philadelphia's district attorney sees little value and much injustice in gun possession arrests. So even though people are arrested with guns, he feels that it's racist to actually charge them. Now, the former police commissioner, Daniel Outlaw, this is what she said in response to Krasner. She didn't really name Krasner by name, but she said, Philadelphia's criminal justice system has become a revolving door for repeat gun offenders, leaving more of them on the street with their weapons with little reason to fear the consequences of being caught. Although she declined to single out District Attorney Larry Krasner, her top partner in Philadelphia law enforcement, Outlaw echoed a point that the Inquirer analysis revealed. The conviction rates for being caught with an illegal gun dropped after Krasner was sworn into office in January of 2018. There's an absolute correlation here. And it's deliberate. It's a deliberate correlation. Said if there's nothing to deter folks, if there's no consequence where people believe, if I do this, this is going to happen, then there's no incentive to not carry a gun illegally, quite frankly, the commissioner said. Now, now, that extends to beyond just carrying guns illegally. That also extends to retail theft as well. If, if, you, if you have a situation where people know they can go in and steal and nothing's going to happen to them, they, can't, they won't even get confronted by the employees that work there, what incentive is there for them to stop stealing? There is no incentive. 
if if cops can't enforce quality of life crimes, I mean, yesterday on the show we we're talking about ten cities, right? Ten cities in all these cities across America, and people that are camping out in the middle of streets, and then you got people relieving their bodies on the streets, and you've got people dealing drugs on the streets, and you you've got a culture of lawlessness that that culture permeates everything. You know, the reason why you, you try to fix broken windows in neighborhoods is because the broken window theory of, of crime says that in areas where you have broken windows, crime rates are higher. In areas where you have quality of life crime violations, violent crime is also higher. What happened last night in Philadelphia, you had people taking advantage of the fact that there was a call for racial injustice you had you had the district attorney and the mayor of philadelphia jim kenny coming out and saying this is not justice we need justice we need so they throw a match on the fire they throw gasoline on the fire and then boom it it blows up and there are people that take advantage of that because they're not afraid that they think they 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 most likely know they're probably going to wind up getting arrested although a lot of them won't there's so many that wind up looting. The, 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 the odds of them getting arrested are not, as, are not as great. But even if they are arrested and then they're back on the street tomorrow, what, what does that say? Why would they stop doing it? Why would, they, why would they stop ransacking these stores if they know that they're just going to wind up back on the streets? So what happens is you've got people who are live streaming the looting that's going on. You know, like the one we played the clip earlier, but she's in the car. She sees police lights. Her friend says... Get offline. Police say get out of the car. She's live streaming her looting. The police commissioner last night comes out and says, it's disgusting. You know, we made arrests and we're going to continue to make arrests. We're going to press on and continue until we leave all these folks in custody. But the problem is for a lot of these people, they're going to be out again on the streets. And you have Democrat politicians like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who justify this stuff. They, they, they justify crime. There are so many social problems social programs available for to people if you if you really can't feed your children if you really can't buy bread there are so many safety nets and social programs available to you that's not what the problem is but the problem is you have democrat politicians like alexandria ocasio-cortez excusing this stuff under the guise of it's poor people seeking their justice seeking it so that they can eat and 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 you you listen to that and you have you have to say to yourself how can you possibly, possibly think this is okay for elected representatives to go out there and excuse violence? You know why? They don't live in these neighborhoods. They don't have to deal with this. They don't have to deal with this on a day-by-day basis. You hear, you hear Democrat politicians screaming about defund the police, although they don't do it anymore. And then you go and ask the residents in places like West Philadelphia, what, what do you want? They go, we want more cops. We want more cops on the streets. Ask the cops what they need, and the cops will tell you, we need, we need the ability to actually put these people away. This is what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said. And so they go out, and they need to feed their child, and they don't have money, so you maybe have to, you're, they're put in a position where they feel like they either need to shoplift some bread or go hungry that night. They need to shoplift some bread or go hungry that night. That is, a, that is such a lie. That's a blatant lie. That is just to excuse lawlessness. And, and the heart of that is what Larry Krasner believes, what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez believes. They believe that, that 
criminals are, are, are not really criminals. They're victims of a system, a racist, unjust, capitalistic system. That's what they believe. And so when you, when you look at the district attorney, for example, why, he's, why he doesn't prosecute people with illegal guns, he believes because it's racist. He does. He believes it's racist. He actually says, data cited in, in the report from his office show how implausible it is to think that seizing guns or restricting sales will have a meaningful effect on their availability, availability to criminals. The number of guns legally sold in Pennsylvania rose from 400,000 in 2000 to more than 1 million in 2020. And those numbers do not include firearms obtained in the black market. The total between 1999 and 2020 was almost 13 million, an average of more than 1,600 each day. The daily average was 227 for Philadelphia and, nearly, and the four nearby counties. Meanwhile, Pennsylvania law enforcement agencies seized an average of 22 guns a day. Philadelphia police accounted for 55% of that total 12 guns a day. Krasner spells out the implications in his report by saying each day in Philadelphia over the last 20 years, for every three guns legally bought or sold, roughly one gun crime was seized. Compounding the problem in Philadelphia, only one in four recovered crime guns were purchased in Philadelphia, and only half of crime guns seized by law enforcement statewide were purchased in Pennsylvania. The rest were purchased out of state or have no known origin. So what, 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 you're just going to give up arresting people who have illegal guns? You're just going to give that up? You're going to say, well, you know what, it doesn't matter. We keep, arre- we keep arresting people and there's still guns coming in, so what the hell is the point? What's the point is basically what they're saying. He says a law enforcement strategy prioritizing seizing guns locally does little to reduce the supply of guns. And if it entails increasing numbers of cars and pedestrian stops has the potential to be counterproductive by alienating the very communities that is designed to help. And he says people of color are disproportionately stopped in Philadelphia and arrested for illegal gun possession in Philadelphia and statewide. African Americans who represent 44% of Philadelphia's population account for about 80% of people arrested for illegal gun possession in the city. So, so you understand that because he's, he views this racial correlation here, he then turns around and says, we're not going to prosecute people. It's racist to prosecute. But if they have illegal guns and they happen to be black, wh- wh- I, don't, I don't understand. You, what do you, you, you turn around and you go, okay, well, you know, this is, it's racist to then send you away for this crime. What do you say to the black families, the black victims, and the black cops of this city? What do you say to them? I mean, it's, it, 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 it's so insane, this mindset of people like this who believe that the laws themselves are unjust and racist, and so they're not going to enforce them because the enforcement of those laws is unjust and racist. You have a disproportionate number of, 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 of black people in Philadelphia getting arrested for illegal guns. Well, I, 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 is that really just because you're stopping more black people, or is that because they're more likely in certain neighborhoods to have the illegal guns. And perhaps if you were in, in, in neighborhoods where they were predominantly white, perhaps in those neighborhoods, the people there would, predominantly white people would have more illegal guns. But, you know, that's what a rational person thinks about. They look at, they look at the population demographics and they, they don't simply just excuse that and say, well, it's racist to then arrest people. It'd be like, it'd be like going to um, a, a white town in West Virginia or someplace like that. And saying, well, everybody we arrest for, for um, meth is white. Therefore, it's racist, and we're going to stop arresting people for meth. 
because it's it's disproportionately well is it or is it just that the residents there are mostly white so the criminals you're arresting happen to be mostly white in these neighborhoods i mean this is not a racial justice question this is a question of who's committing crimes in a certain neighborhood in certain areas I mean, you can you can you can you can make that argument if you want to if you want to go down a road of of proving a point that society is inherently racist and unjust. But while you're doing that, and when and you're saying those things, which sound great, I guess, in a classroom and a faculty lounge, there are actual people who are scared to death in their own neighborhoods because of the fact that criminals know that there's no repercussions for getting caught because you have district attorneys and politicians who argue that arresting them, stopping them, even stopping them is racist. So how how are you supposed to actually stop the problem if that is the case? We all we all know what the problem is. The problem is that the cops have their hands tied behind their backs. People arrested solely for gun possession have not been rearrested for new gun crimes, Larry Krasner says. He is more concerned with swiftly and fairly convicting the people who actually use those guns to kill or wound others. But that's, again, that's, that's idiotic. Do you want to take illegal guns out of the hands of criminals, or do you want to wait until they commit a crime with it and then take the guns out of their hands? But he, he says, yeah, but if, but if, we, if we tell you to go in and, and stop people for illegal guns, you're going to have more interactions with law enforcement. And that's racist. But if they have illegal guns and then you stop them from committing a crime and killing somebody or using that gun in the commission of a crime, isn't that a benefit to society? Doesn't society benefit from that? And then doesn't that become a deterrent for people to say, I'm not going to carry illegal guns. I'm not going to possess an illegal firearm. There's a deterrent factor that is missing in all of this. There's also a huge deterrent factor that's missing when you think about retail theft. If you keep turning around and you keep excusing shoplifting, not only will stores like Target and other places close their doors and leave areas because they can't keep their employees safe, their customers safe, and they're losing too much inventory, which then makes the neighborhood suffer even more, but what what stops somebody from coming to the neighborhood to steal? Nothing. Gun possession arrests soar while conviction rates fall in Philadelphia, falling from their high point of 70% conviction rate to 49% conviction rate. What accounts for the drop in convictions? District Attorney Larry Krasner says factors such as witnesses missing court or police submitting weaker evidence plays a role. However, the police commissioner says Philadelphia's criminal justice system has become a revolving door for repeat gun offenders who have little reason to fear the consequences of being caught exactly right if you don't have fear of consequences people are going to commit the actions over and over and over again jim kenny the mayor of philadelphia last night when this judge when the judge dismissed the charges against officer mark dial he came out on twitter on social media and threw gasoline on the fire as did krasner and they know they it, it, it's it's as if they want this powder keg. It's as if they want this to explode. Kenny's going to veto a bill to ban safe injection sites in Philadelphia. City Council says we don't want these things because they listen to the neighborhood. They listen to the residents. We don't want safe injection sites here. We don't want people coming here to do heroin because we know that they're going to that's going to lead. If you have a demand for something, that's going to lead to a supply. 
They're not going to give you the heroin at the safe injection, safe injection site. So that means then if somebody's coming there to do drugs and I'm a drug dealer, I know I've got a willing marketplace here. I've got a viable marketplace. I'm going to go there and I'm going to deal drugs. Obviously. And so the residents turn around and say, we don't want safe injection sites. The mayor is going to veto the bill. He doesn't care. He's hell-bent on destroying the city of Philadelphia. He's hell-bent on it. Of the 1,400 people accused of illegally carrying a firearm in 2018, for instance, 19% have been arrested since for another crime. And and only 2.5% were later charged in a murder, attempted murder, or aggravated assault. Well, how many of them got away? That conclusion tells only part of the story, the inquirer says, because four out of five shootings in Philadelphia do not result in charges. It's impossible to know with certainty who committed the crimes, their backgrounds, and whether they had a previous nonviolent gun offense. This makes it difficult to determine how much violence could have been prevented by more successful prosecutions of nonviolent gun possession. Exactly right. Krasner's office, though, they see little evidence that those accused of carrying guns illegally are responsible for driving the violence. This guy's excusing this. He's excusing this because to, to, to address it head on would be racist. So what do you tell the people who are black in those neighborhoods? Sorry, we don't care. We don't care about you. We don't care that maybe we could have got that thug off the streets before he, uh, he killed a family member of yours in a, in a crossfire. Or before he dealt drugs to your kids, dealt fentanyl to your kids or something like that. We don't, because we can't go, we, we won't get him for just having an illegal gun. Just, just an illegal gun itself is not, is not enough. At the same time, though, they'll all scream about gun control. They'll all scream about gun control and they'll go after the NRA and they'll go after all these other, because they believe, again, the people with illegal guns are victims of the gun control, the gun lobby, I should say, the the pro-gun lobby, the Second Amendment, and on and on. They hate the Second Amendment. They hate the Constitution. They hate the right to bear arms. So you have no incentive whatsoever. A criminal has no incentive to say, you know what, I'm going to get arrested here. I'm I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to engage in this behavior. And then last night, in Philadelphia, when you've got the looting and the violence, and who knows what tonight's going to bring. When that happens and, and, and people keep piling on, they go, all right, so maybe I'll get arrested. Big deal. I'll be back on the streets. I'll be back. So there's no disincentive to continue that behavior. None whatsoever. We all know what the problem is. We all know the solution. You got to get rid of this mindset that the criminals are the victims And I know a number of people have said on Twitter and social media, they've said, you know what, Richie, get what you vote for. People get what they vote for. I understand that, but... But that not everybody votes that way, and Republicans need to address all these things. Republicans need to speak out. They need to get behind more cops on the streets, and they need to stand with law enforcement because the cops, the morale is low, and they feel very much like their hands are tied, and they can't do anything. And it's a heartbreaking situation. And I feel bad for the people in the neighborhoods who are directly impacted by all of this. 855-839-1210 if you want to weigh in on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. The Republican debate tonight, are you going to watch? Are you planning to watch? Let me know. And um, also, too, will Ron DeSantis have his breakout moment tonight? Don't go away. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Yes, and feelings, the left, the western far left is habitually the most stupid and naive people you can imagine. It's all about feelings. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. Our fourth and final hour on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Great to be with you. Uh, Republican senators call for stronger border security. Representative Byron Donalds makes a great point about the border uh, and Ukraine. And he says, you know what, This, this funding bill for the House is dead on arrival. The Senate's proposal... For a continuing resolution was dead on arrival with House Republicans because of its funding for Ukraine and the lack of funding for border security. I said it yesterday. I was very fired up. I said, you need to have a vote on funding for Ukraine as a separate vote. Do not attach it to keeping the government open. That's not what we do. We don't do that. That's not how we should do things. But I want to play this clip from James Carville. You know, James Carville... He's a smart guy, and uh, he, he's gotten Democrats elected. Like, like the idea that I mentioned, you know, Republicans can maybe pull Bill Clinton from 92 and call for 10,000 more cops on the streets. I mean, that was a Carville idea, that people were fed up with crime in cities, and Bill Clinton was going to be a tough-on-crime Democrat. There are no tough-on-crime Democrats anymore, because the Western far left is habitually the most stupid and naive people you can imagine. This is the same with yeah, Bill Maher. It's, 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 it's a lot what we were just saying before about people have to be able to talk to each other, even if you don't completely agree. The other person is not a deplorable. I get it. Like, I would never... I would Some never, of them are. Of course they are. Some of them are. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's true. And some people on the left are deplorable. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I find the left to be just annoying. Exactly. They're, just, they're, they're more than just not, it's just annoying. Exactly. And the Western far left is habitually the most stupid, naive people you can imagine. And they come up with these really goofy constructs and it's all about feeling. Feeling. Feeling good about yourself. Yeah, well, and just feeling. The, as opposed to like free speech, like if your feelings are hurt, that's more important than free speech. You know, I told you know, and 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 there's something to that too. You know, the the idea of these constructs. I think that everything we talked about with Larry Krasner, AOC, the idea of these constructs, this stuff all works great in criminal justice class. You know, why why stop and arrest people who have illegal guns? They're disproportionately black and. Uh, they haven't really done anything other than they have an illegal gun. Guns are the problem, not the, not their possession of it. That's a stupid construct. You know, rather than arresting somebody who's doing something illegal, which is having an illegal gun in their possession, we say, well, that crime, you know, they haven't really done anything that bad, so let them go. And then when they do something bad down the road, we all said, well, there was an opportunity to stop that by taking them off the streets. And people say, yeah, but that was racist to, to stop them in the first place. You know, I mean, th- th- that's a ridiculous, stupid construct. 
It's not real. It's like saying Latinx. And these things don't, don't mean anything to people. You want to know why Democrats are losing so badly? You want to know why Democrats are losing so badly? They are losing so badly because people have figured out that the Democrat Party has become the party of the extreme progressive left. And it is no longer a party that deals in reason. It's no longer a party that deals in rational, everyday people's lives. They talk about the faculty lounge, the coastal elites. These are people who don't have to worry about walking down the streets in West Philadelphia. They don't have to worry about seeing a safe injection site in their neighborhood. So when they sit back in their faculty lounges and in their woke brunches and they talk about how, uh, you know, why the merits of a safe injection site sound great on paper, they don't actually have to live with it. They don't have to actually live with it you don't have safe injection sites in the faculty lounge and you don't have them in places like Hyannisport and Martha's Vineyard and the Hamptons and all the other places that these woke people hang out in there's not going to be a safe injection site on the main line okay there's not going to be a safe injection site on the main line that much I can promise you I can guarantee you that so yeah these the the, the constructs the arrogance of the Democrat Party the fact that they've lost the, the connection with the working man. Just walking on, a, on, on, an, uh, on an assembly line, or as you say, a strike line with, with workers, but at the same time, you're pushing electric vehicles that are going to literally kill their jobs. Because again, the constructs of electric, electric vehicles and, and the, the notion in the faculty lounge of climate change being the greatest existential threat means nothing to people if they can't feed their family. So you can go out there with your bullhorn and you could talk to them about it, but you're not resonating with them. Because in their mind, they just think, you're just trying to take my job. I, I hope I hope Trump hammers that point tonight about EVs and what it's doing to people who work in the auto industry. I hope so. This is uh, Congressman Byron Donalds today. The uh, Senate's proposal for a CR, dead on arrival. Good. Dead on arrival. And I'm glad it's dead on arrival. $6.2 billion for Ukraine. Um, they do nothing to secure our southern border. Uh, that is just a non-starter. The Senate needs to get real. What, what You've is- all seen the images at the southern border. It has to stop immediately. And this government should not continue to be funding funded if we don't secure our border. Walk us through the idea that there's 77 Democrats and Republicans. That's a big... Yeah, it, it, it needs to stop immediately. He's exactly right about that fact. It needs to stop immediately. Why Why won't it stop, though? You know why? Because you have a lot of Republicans who were all in on Ukraine, too, but they want the cover. They know it's not popular with, with the Republican Party voters anymore. They know that, but they want the cover of saying, well, listen, I, you know, I just voted for the continuing resolution. I just had to keep the government open. That's what I wanted to do. So, you know, that's just what this is, you know, I mean, I, and then they want to they want to they want to spin that. This is why I say don't don't give them the ability to spin this. Don't don't give them the ability to do that. Make them own it on a yes or no up or down vote on funding Ukraine separate from a CR period. And then to have another disastrous spending bill to just kick the can down the road again is also not an answer. It's not an answer. But at least it's better than funding Ukraine as part of a CR. At least it's better than that. I, I, I John Fetterman's a disgrace, isn't he? Did you hear what he said to Joy Reid last night as he makes cracks about uh, 
about people like Ted Cruz. This is, this is what he said last night on the racist the, Jordan. The, the, you've been down. the subject of a lot of right wing freakouts. Uh, your casual dress code, which again, there are people like Senator Cinema who dresses, you know, very, you know, in her very own unique way, and no one's really said anything about it. Why do you think people are so fixated on you? I, I really, <laughs> I, re- I really don't. As, as I've said before, you know, Ted Cruz could show up dressed like Spider Man, and I would be a okay with that. Uh, I do think we have more important kinds of things to be worrying about. You know, whether it's gold bars in a mattress, or whether it's the, the shutdown, or the impeachment, or anything. Don't be surprised if Spider-Man calls you quite offended at being compared to Ted Cruz, but I'm going to leave that for another interview. Um, <laughs> That's let's, funny. Let's, let's... Uh, Spider-Man's not real, Joy Reid, by the way, and uh, neither is your show. It's a fugazi. Uh, did you notice how the Democrats piling on Menendez, too? He was in court today. You know the reason why, right? You know the reason why they all want him gone? Well, there's two things. Number one, look, Bob, I've always said to you a couple things to be true at the same time. Bob Menendez is as crooked as the day is long. Absolutely. Would they be going after Bob Menendez right now if he was a good boy and went along with the Iran nuclear deal and and supported the $6 billion ransom payment to Iran? No, they would not because they're all corrupt. It's just a matter of who they choose to go after. And also, the reason why Democrats are all piling on Menendez now and want him gone is for two reasons. Number one, the reason is they want to be able to say, you see, you see, justice is blind. The Department of Justice is also going after Bob Menendez. This is not a situation where we're just going after Donald Trump, you see. But they're also locally at home. It's also because of the fact that uh, King Philip the Unaccountable's wife is now talking about running. So is Donald Norcross. You've got a lot of powerful people out there who, who want that seat. They want that seat. And the the ongoing investigation into Menendez in Egypt, and this and this is it's it, it it's so outrageous what he's accused of. You almost have to turn around and go, is this really real? But they had this stuff on him for years, and the investigation's still going. Why now? Why do they come after Menendez now? They come after Menendez now so they can turn around and say, Well, 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 Trump, I mean, uh, clearly this is not a weaponized Department of Justice. We go after everybody. We go after everybody, please. Everybody. It's like, stop. You know what I mean? Stop it. We know that you don't go after everybody. We know that. We, we know exactly what this is. We know exactly what this is. By the way, Matt Gates has introduced an amendment to the DOD appropriations bill that would ensure that no more American taxpayer dollars are sent to Ukraine. And for that, he's getting the ire of a lot of so-called conservatives out there. When all he's doing is what is exactly right, what needs to be done, which is to say, we are not going to tie these two things together. Coming up, the Republican debate tonight. What can you expect? Do you care? (laughs) Will you be watching? And I'll tell you why it matters a whole lot more than you think. Don't go away. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and the Odyssey app. On this hump day, the debate night in America tonight. Are you watching? Do you care? Are you going to watch? I'll tell you why it matters more than you think. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. But before I do, the story today of how a Santo Fauci, Anthony Fauci, the nation's leading infectious disease doctor, you always have to say that by law, Fauci secretly went to CIA headquarters to influence the COVID-19 origins probe. Wow. This is from the House Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Origins. Dr. Anthony Fauci was secretly escorted to CIA headquarters where he attempted to influence the outcome of the agency's investigations into the origins of COVID-19 during the pandemic. 
Representative Brad Wenstrup of Ohio, the head of the House Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic, revealed what he called concerning information obtained by his panel in a letter sent to the Inspector General of the Department of Health and Human Services. He argues that it lends credence to heightened concerns about the promotion of a false COVID-19 origins narrative by multiple federal government agencies. Let me share with you the letter that was sent from the committee. Dear Inspector General Grimm, he's the Inspector General of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the select subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic has received concerning information regarding the Central Intelligence Agency's investigations into the origins of COVID-19. According to information gathered by the select subcommittee, Dr. Anthony Fauci, then director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, played a role in the Central Intelligence Agency's review of the origins of COVID-19. The information provided suggests that Dr. Fauci was escorted into CIA headquarters without a record of entry and participated in the analysis to influence the agency's review. Our goal is to ensure the scientific investigative process regarding the origins of COVID-19 was fair, impartial, and free of alternative influence. Obviously, you know, the two competing thoughts are, did COVID come from a lab? Yes. Or did it come from an undercooked bat burger with a pangolin aioli and a side of raccoon dog fries? Who knows, right? I mean, who A select subcommittee's goal is to ensure accountability and transparency. The American people deserve the truth to know the origins of the virus and whether there was a concerted effort by public health authorities to suppress the lab leak theory for political or national security purposes. Accordingly, the information regarding specific movements of Dr. Fauci throughout the pandemic is reasonable and hardly intrusive, especially concerning considering he is no longer employed by the federal government. He is no longer a protectee of the inspector general, and we are not requesting any information regarding his current movements. To assist the select subcommittee with its investigation, we request the following documents and information as soon as possible, but no later than October 10th, 2023. Number one, documents sufficient to show any Department of Health and Human Services Office of Inspector General authorized, supported, or otherwise affiliated movements of Dr. Fauci from January 1st, 2020 through December 31st, 2022 into any CIA-owned, operated, or occupied building, including but not limited to the George Bush Center of Intelligence. Two, all documents and communications between or among employees or contractors of the Department of Health and Human Services Office of Inspector General regarding the admittance or entry of Dr. Anthony Fauci into any CIA-owned, operated, or occupied building, including but not limited to the CIA. All documents and communications between or among employees or contractors of the Department of Health and Human Services Office of the Inspector General and employees or contractors of the CIA regarding the admittance or entry of Dr. Fauci into any CIA-owned building, blah, 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 blah. All documents and communications between employees uh, from contractors of the U.S. Marshal Service regarding the admittance or entry of Dr. Fauci into any CIA-owned, operated, or occupied building, including but not limited to the 
George Bush Center of Intelligence. And finally, all documents and communications between or among employees or contractors of the Department of Health and Human Services Office of Inspector General and employees or contractors of the Department of Health and Human Services, including but not limited to the National Institutes of Health and National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, regarding the admittance or entry of Dr. Anthony Fauci into any CIA-owned, operated, or occupied building. In addition to these documents, we request you make Special Agent Brett Rowland available for a voluntary, voluntarily transcribed interview at a date to be determined. Accordingly, the committees will contact you to schedule the interview. The committees reserve the right to conduct follow-up interviews or request testimony from other witnesses pertinent, pertinent, excuse me, pertinent to our investigation. The Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic is authorized to investigate the origins of the coronavirus pandemic, including but not limited to the federal government's funding of gain-of-function research and executive branch policies, deliberations, decisions, activities, and internal and external communications related to the coronavirus pandemic under House Resolution 5. What's very interesting about this, I think, is the idea that Fauci was escorted in secretly to CIA headquarters. And we know the reason why. It was to cover for China and also to cover for the gain-of-function gravy train. The new allegations come after a senior-level CIA officer turned whistleblower alleged to Congress earlier this month that the agency offered to pay off six analysts in order to bury their findings that COVID-19 most likely leaked from a lab in Wuhan, China. The the analysts who found SARS-CoV-2 likely originated in a Wuhan lab were allegedly asked to report that the virus jumped from animals to humans, according to Wenstrup and Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence Chairman Mike Turner. A seventh analyst, the most senior, was the lone member of the team to believe COVID-19 originated through zoonosis, according to the lawmakers. That's the Batburger theory. The U.S. intelligence community declassified its 10-page report on COVID origins in June, which found biosafety concerns and genetic engineering taking place at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. But most of its agencies assess that SARS-CoV-2 was not genetically engineered. Please. The CIA and one other intelligence agency remain unable to determine the precise origin of the COVID-19 pandemic, as both hypotheses rely on significant assumptions or face challenges with conflicting reporting. Well, there you go. I hope to get to the truth about this. I really do. We know Fauci's hands are all over this cover-up, and I just have to wonder, why does the CIA care so much? Unless they know it was, in fact, a bioweapon. And unless they're covering for China because deep state people within the CIA know that the reason why the virus was released from the lab was to help bring down the presidency of Donald Trump. I mean, there were CIA people working actively to do this. We know the entire deep state national security apparatchik was working to do this. So maybe it's possible the virus didn't accidentally leak out of the lab. Maybe it's possible the virus took a nice purposeful walk out of the lab China doesn't really care about its people. In fact, they have a population issue, right? But a worldwide global pandemic would be a sweet revenge against Donald Trump after all the tariffs he imposed on China. Assuring that he gets out of the way and their puppet Joe Biden can come in since Joe, you know, Joe and China go together very, very well. Very well.
And you remember, I'll tie this into the story yesterday, the House Oversight Republicans say the new bank subpoena shows Hunter Biden listed his father's Wilmington house in wires with China. That story broke yesterday on the show. The Republican-led House Oversight Committee subpoenaed a bank for Hunter Biden's records and obtained two wire transfers from Chinese nationals to Hunter Biden in 2019 that listed President Joe Biden's Wilmington home as the beneficiary address. The subpoena, which was quietly issued on Monday, is the first time the committee issued a subpoena to a bank for Hunter Biden's records specifically. Jim Comer said after the announcement that the subpoena was very specific in that these two wire transfers are the first examples the panel has found of Hunter Biden receiving money directly and not through a shell company. They went directly to Hunter Biden and the address listed was Joe Biden's. The six subpoenas the committee issued to banks up to this point were for records of Hunter Biden's business associates. The committee still plans to issue subpoenas to Hunter and James Biden. According to the committee, the wires allegedly show that Hunter Biden received a $10,000 wire from Wang Jin on July 26, 2019. Separately, on August 2nd, 2019, Hunter Biden allegedly received $250,000 in a wire from Jonathan Lee and Tan Ling. Both of the wires listed Joe Biden's home in Wilmington, Delaware as the beneficiary address. The, commi- the committee did not provide the bank wires in their announcement on Tuesday. I'll tell you what, it's just one of those situations where you got to wonder to yourself, you know, you wake up every day. We wake up each morning trying to eat the ass out of a bear. Um, So. Yeah. (coughs) uh, Yeah. 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 I think it goes with some of that day drinking, to be honest. Anyway, uh, so so there's that. Now, tonight at the Republican debate, uh, you're going to find, as I have found, uh, a lot of boringness and a lot of waste of time. But but here's what I need you to know. This debate matters a whole lot more than you realize. It really does. The debate matters a whole lot more than you realize, because this debate is Ron DeSantis's make or break moment here. Donors are getting very nervous that he can't seal the deal. And perhaps it is the fact that he waited too long to get in the race after his triumphant re-election victory in Florida. Perhaps it's the fact that it's his personality. Perhaps it was none of the above. It's just that Trump had just such an insurmountable lead and a wise man would have said, this is not my time, I'll wait. Who knows? Maybe it's all the above. But either way, there are donors who want to stop Donald Trump within the Republican Party who are saying, your time is running out here. We are, we are running out of time. Either we're going to shift gears to get behind somebody like Nikki Haley. After all, she'll give him another war. Or we're going to get we're going to try to get somebody like Glenn Youngkin in the race. Tonight's your night. You got to either seal the deal tonight or it's or it's done. I, I really do believe that that is what tonight is all about from the perspective of the Florida governor. And it's nothing personal. I'm just giving you my analysis. I'm just giving you my analysis. I mean, Trump's lead is so insurmountable at this point that if if he can't get it done now, the people who write big checks are going to say, thanks, but no thanks. So I'll be watching. It's my job, after all, and I will do that. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Appreciate it very, very much. The great one, Mark Levin, is up next. Have a wonderful night. Back with you tomorrow. In the meantime, on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Thank you. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 